Hello and welcome to Mallow Street Talks, where we discuss pensions and investments. I'm Sandra Wolf, editor at Mallow Street, and today I'm speaking to Katharina Lindmeier, Senior Responsible Investment Manager at the National Employment Savings Trust, better known as NEST. Katharina, NEST, even for a large investor, has a pretty strong focus on responsible investments, which is generally a growing and developing space. Can you tell us what's top of your agenda at the moment? Yeah, sure. So responsible investment is really a core part of our investment philosophy. And we've just come to the tail end of the voting season. So we've seen most of the AGMs taking place in the UK and the US. So that's been a busy time for us. It is every year. But particularly this year, we've had quite a lot of media focus as well, particularly on the oil and gas companies. Mm as a result of the Russia-Ukraine war last year and the high energy prices, there's been a particular focus on energy companies and the record profits that they've made at the same time as increasing scrutiny from investors as to whether they are going to be sticking to their net zero commitments and not just to the long-term commitments, but actually taking the steps necessary to align with net zero by 2050 in terms of short to medium term targets. So that's been a big focus for us. We've also kind of staying on the climate theme. One of our priority areas also is the banking sector because Mm -hmm. again, the banking sector sometimes a bit hidden because it's scope three emissions. So it's what they do through their financing activities rather than their direct emissions from their operations. But they've got such a huge role to play in ensuring that we do transition to net zero. Phasing out fossil fuel financing is one of the key demands that investors have been asking banks for a number of years, and also investing more in low-carbon solutions. So those two areas. And then there is lots happening as well in the policy space. So one thing that Nest is involved in quite heavily is the Transition Plan Task Force, which has been um, set up by Treasury. So this is a um, cross-sector industry government group that's trying to develop a gold standard for what transition plans should look like so that's a really interesting initiative as well to be part of. At the start you mentioned that the the sort of price spikes um, in fossil fuels and profits uh, by fossil fuel companies and um, obviously that's been a boost for performance for people who invested in that. What would you say to people who feel that their argument has been strengthened? So I would say we are a long-term investor. We are going to be holding these assets, or we want to be holding these assets almost in perpetuity, but certainly for the next few decades. And that's the reason why we are still invested in most energy companies. We have excluded some who we feel that are just not transitioning at all. But what we are seeing here is that while we appreciate this sort of short-term headwinds, we don't believe that the targets that the company set out to 2030, bearing in mind already energy prices have come down again this year, we don't see expansion of oil and gas up to 2030 as being compatible with net zero alignment. And that's not just our view, that's the research that's coming out from the International Energy Agency, the IPCC. And we are concerned that by developing new infrastructure, those assets could become stranded because we do expect that there will be more regulation coming in the future as we get the more severe impacts of the physical risks of climate change. 
and frankly we just believe that this is not in the best interest of our members because they will be saving with us and investing in these companies for a long time to come and we want to make sure that those companies are doing taking the right steps now to future-proof the business. Um, as you said, Ness did divest from some fossil fuel companies about a couple of years ago and um, you, Nest also voted against the chairs of BP and Shell in this AGM season and has been supportive of a um, claim that campaign group Client Earth has been trying to bring to court against Shell uh, over its transition plan. I should say Shell um, disputes these allegations and the court has um, dismissed the claim. But generally on litigation, what, what role can it play and do you think there will be more of it? Yes, I definitely think there will be more of it both from shareholders but also we're seeing a lot more around campaign groups bringing litigation as well. Um, particularly what we've seen recently that has been very interesting is that France introduced a corporate duty of vigilance law and we've seen a number of lawsuits at French companies including Total Energy but also one of the banks, BNP Paribas, around that. The EU is now um, going through the motions of introducing similar regulation at a broader level so we're expecting to see more of that. From a shareholder perspective we think that litigation can be a useful tool for escalation so we wouldn't go straight in with litigation but it's part of that engagement process, the engagement cycle so we'd usually go in have the engagement with companies then we might take action through our voting but there are times when that doesn't give us the outcome that we want and litigation is another route that we could take as well to um, further try and push companies in the right direction. Right, do you think Nest will ever front a litigation or take class action? That's a good question. I think um, at this point we haven't got any plans to, to do so. And um, to be honest, there are a lot of litigation cases ongoing already at a lot of companies. So like in this case, um, we provided evidence to the case, which means we're not a claimant in the case, but um, we provided a letter to Kleiners to set out what our concerns were. And um, that for us seems like uh, a good approach to take at this point in time. Uh, what how this space develops. Um, as we said, litigation is increasing. Who knows? Yeah. One of the points that Shell in this case has made is that, that the shareholders that uh, say that its transition uh, strategy is not adequate hold only a very small part of the overall share capital and that it has to satisfy all of its shareholders, all of its owners. Um, do you see any problems or challenges in the concept of shareholder engagement and even shareholder primacy? And what does that mean for stewardship? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is that dissent is not negligible at these AGMs. So I think at the Shell AGMs, 20% mm -hmm. of shareholders voted for the... Um, the resolution filed by Client Earth. So that's not a negligible amount and that is definitely something that companies should be listening to and engaging with those shareholders. I don't think that there is a challenge to, to shareholder stewardship um, here. Obviously there are different investors might have different objectives. As we said we're a really long-term investors. 
And the concerns that we have with both company strategies is why they keep telling us we're committed to our net zero target by 2050. They're changing their short and medium term targets. So effectively, they are delaying the difficult decisions to a future board because they won't be with the company anymore, but we will still be invested. Let's talk about reporting for a moment. Um, as, a, as a DC master trust, you have to re produce a report in line with the TCFD, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. Um, what have you learned from that process? What challenges have you encountered? And how is climate reporting evolving generally? We actually started doing TCFD reporting in 2017, so when the recommendations first came out. Obviously, that's evolved a lot over the last few years, particularly when we got the statutory guidance in. It's now our third year reporting in the TCFD framework that um, was set out in, in the Pension Schemes Act. So we did almost a dry run when we had most of the statutory guidance available, and then we did a gap analysis and our first report under the new uh, regulatory regime last year. It is quite a time-consuming effort. There are still challenges, particularly around the data. But certainly what we found is it's a really helpful process to um, help you develop your risk management processes, the governance around it as well. I think one of the most interesting things we found was we did a workshop last year with our investment committee on scenario analysis and while we had already made all of our net zero commitments the feedback that we got from our investment committee was actually obviously bearing in mind a lot of the complexities and assumptions that go into scenario analysis putting some numbers around how members will be affected by different climate change scenarios so four degree world versus a 1.5 degree world really brought to life what we're doing and gave a lot of um, credibility as well to what we're doing around our net zero strategy. So that was really helpful. And yeah, it's just a, a good opportunity, I think, as well to, to report to stakeholders what we're doing. We were one of the first schemes to set a net zero target in the UK, but now, uh, you know, I think it's at least two thirds of the economy that's set a net zero target, but what we're hearing is that emissions aren't going down. So mm. we're kind of in a situation where you're seeing a bit of a gap between commitments and action. And that's um, why I think TCFD reporting has been really helpful to, um, to demonstrate progress. In terms of where it's going, there's two elements. So one, I think I already mentioned the transition plan task force. So this is something that the UK government has set out that it will mandate for companies going forward to um, to publish a transition plan. So TCFD is mostly backward looking. A transition plan is much more about what are your commitments and what steps are you taking to get there. While there's a section on targets in TCFD, this kind of builds that out further. The other element is TNFD. So the Task Force on Nature Related Financial Disclosures which is expected to publish its final framework in September. Yes. So at the moment, obviously, there's no regulatory requirement like for TCFD, but it's certainly an area we're looking at as well. And um, I think over time, we'll see either whether these are standalone reports or TCFD and TNFD become combined because there's similar elements around the, you know, the way it's structured. Um, so remains to be seen, but we, we are expecting to start reporting on nature-related risks as well, in, mm -hmm. in a similar format at least, although, say with TCFD, we expect it will take a few years to get 
to this stage of where we're now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with that. Interesting. And um, with reporting, obviously there are many you know, aspects that might be a bit difficult. You might not have the data and also uh, things like scope three carbon emissions. How do you uh, quantify that? So the emissions from assets in the value chain that you don't own directly. What's your approach to that? Yeah, so for Nest, we report on ski matters, which are our scope three. So Nest Corporation obviously also reports as carbon footprint, but operationally that's that's very small. It's just the same for pension schemes. And then when we report on the carbon emissions in the portfolio, we get the data from managers and we ask them also to disclose a data quality metric, which basically looks at whether the underlying data is reported by the company, estimated by a third party or the manager or one available. And certainly in what we've been seeing in recent years, and we're just going through that process again um, mm -hmm. for our most recent scheme year, is that while in scope one and two, so the direct emissions and emissions from energy use, the proportion of reported data is quite high. For scope three, it really drops. And we're very reliant still on a lot of estimations from data providers. So this is an area that um, we and our managers are also engaging with companies on because ideally we'd want that information directly from companies. But yes, for scope three, still a lot of it is, is estimated or unavailable, unfortunately. And do you think that will change and how can it change? Yeah, I think so. It already has got better. We're seeing more companies reporting on it. Obviously, organisations like CDP have been really helpful in that. It's also one of the objectives of you know, Climate Action 100+. Plus. That was one of the first objectives that they set out, was asking companies to report in line with TCFD, which includes full value chain emissions reporting as well. So we are seeing that number go up, but yeah, it is continues to be a challenge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And... Do you think responsible investment should still be a separate function or is it just investment as it is now? Yeah, so we're certainly not in favour of a siloed approach. So for us, it's about integrating ESG into the investment process. And we work very closely with the investment teams at Nest to ensure that when we are making asset allocation decisions or we're doing a new manager search, that ESG considerations are kind of front and centre of that what I would say is that I think there will remain a role for specialists on some of these topics. So the way that the responsible investment team at Nest is structured is that we've got thematic areas of expertise. And similarly to how we've got economists and strategists in the team, you know, this is a similar type of role that should enable the investment teams to integrate it. But there will still be that need for um, specific research, I think, from the ESG teams. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And obviously Nest is very active, it, it sort of takes a leadership role, but on the whole, when you look at UK pension funds, do you think they're doing enough on the responsible investment front? Uh, is there a need for more action in certain areas, in your view? I think as an industry, there there is a lot happening at the moment. Um, we've already, now that we've got those regulations, the pension sector was actually the first one to have the TCFD disclosure regulation. Mm -hmm. So actually what we're seeing is that the rest of the sector is sort of catching up. So asset managers coming into the regulatory regime, um, also real economy firms coming into that. So 
while we think there's a lot that asset owners can do, for us to be able to meet our net zero commitments, for example, but this doesn't just apply to climate change, we need to be able to invest in assets that align with our objectives. And while we can do some of that through stewardship, we do need real economy firms to align as well. And I think that's an area where actually I think, um, particularly in the UK, there has been a lot of focus on um, sustainability regulation for financial markets. And actually, I think we're in quite a good place with that. We've got the transition plans coming in. We've got the um, ISSB standards being published soon as well. There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot happening. And actually, in some ways, it's more around what, what's the real economy doing and are the companies, the underlying companies aligning here? Because ultimately, our impact is through the companies we own. And while we have some say in how they're run, and that's why stewardship is so important, we're not the only input into that. And also, we need companies to, to do their bit. Looking at responsible investment, when you talk to pension funds nowadays, it's almost always about the climate. Um, what is Ness doing about perhaps other aspects of ESG? I know Liz Fernando, uh, Ness Chief Investment Officer, has mentioned that something is afoot, but can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we have a number of priority areas already, which we set out in our responsible investment report. Obviously, climate is one of them. That's also my area of expertise. But we have added natural capital recently, and we've started some work on that. It's, it's quite a challenging area at the moment, because with climate change, what we've got is quite a, a straightforward international agreement, the Paris Agreement, which gives you some clear guidance, some clear targets. Obviously, translating that into portfolio-relevant metrics and so on is challenging. But with natural capital, we're, we're not quite there yet. So we, ha we have seen, you know, the um, COP process for biodiversity as well. But just in terms of even identifying the metrics that you should be looking at, that's quite challenging. So we've started with deforestation because that's a bit more straightforward and right. we've got some things we can look at. We'll be disclosing some more info on our forthcoming responsible investment report, which should be out in Q3 around how we've been assessing deforestation risks across the portfolio. And we're also working on sort of a wider environment policy and on natural capital that um, builds on what we've already been doing on climate. And on social themes, we have ha worked on a number of social issues in the past as well and continue to do so. So human capital and workforce issues are one of them. We've done a lot of engagement with companies. Last year, we co-filed a shareholder resolution at Sainsbury's asking the company to commit to paying the living wage across um, all the workforce and um, supplier like contractors as well. And on the other themes, human rights as well as an area we've been doing a lot of engagements with. We've got one engagement ongoing at the moment, for example, on the rights of the Uyghur minorities in China and how companies are operating in China are dealing with uh, issues, for example, forced labours in their, in their supply chain. And another area that we've been focusing on is on tech, big tech. Um, there's both governance issues, but also social issues around privacy, cybersecurity, and so on. So there are a number of areas ongoing. Sometimes yeah, the focus is overly on climate, but we do actually work across all areas of ESG at NEST. 
Katarina, thank you so much for sharing your thinking and telling us a little bit about what's going on at Nest at the moment. Thank you for listening, and if you want to know more about pensions and investments, visit mallowstreet.com.